There's much that we could consider during this Christmas season as we think about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christmas is indeed the celebration of the greatest gift that has ever been given, the gift of God giving his son. But in God's giving his son, God has given us much more than we realize. There are a plethora of blessings, if you will, that are associated with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In God giving his son, we find out that God has also given us his grace. Mary is a prominent figure in the Christmas story, and deservedly so. It gets a lot of attention. But often, what doesn't get enough attention is God's grace to Mary. Mary's story is actually a story of God's grace. And we want to focus this morning on the grace of God to Mary and, in turn, the grace of God to us. The central verse for our consideration is Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And he, that is the angel, came to her, which is Mary, and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. In this greeting, we find how Mary is to view herself and how we are to view Mary. The greetings is to one who is favored. Favored. The word favored literally means a recipient of God's grace. A recipient of God's grace. You are a graced one. A graced one. That's how Mary is to be viewed. You are a graced one. That is central to this passage. God's grace to Mary. And we want to unpack that this morning as we consider God's grace to Mary. Mary, a graced one. As we back up and look at the background of the verse, we go to verse 26. In the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So we want to ask the question, what is the tangible manifestation of God's grace to Mary? In what sense was Mary graced. How had God been gracious to Mary? Well, first, Mary's being a recipient of God's grace means that Mary had a privileged relationship to God. That privileged relationship is described in the words, the Lord is with you in verse 28. He came to her and said, greetings, O favored or graced one. The Lord is with you. When it states that the Lord is with Mary, it means that the Lord is on Mary's side. God is for Mary, not against her. He came bearing good news, not bad news. The Lord is supporting Mary in every imaginable way. The idea that the Lord Lord is with her includes, but is not limited to, God's providing for Mary, God's protecting of Mary, God's enabling of Mary, and most significantly, God's acceptance 
of Mary. God is with her. God is there for Mary and all that she needs. The great message of Christmas is that God is sending his son, and as a result, God is on our side. Matthew 1.23 states, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God being with us is true in its physical sense that God sent his son manifested in the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. His presence was with us, but it also means that God's grace, God's acceptance is with us. It was the means by which God could have a relationship to us and we to him. God is with us. Secondly, Mary's being a recipient of God's grace means that Mary's privileged relationship to God results in the fact that she needs not to fear. She needs not to fear. Luke 1, 29 and 30. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting that might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary. Unlike others, Mary did not fear the presence of the angel. The Excuse me. Presumably, because the angel had not startled Mary in the way that the angel startled Zechariah or would later startle the shepherds, Zechariah had entered the temple in order to offer sacrifice upon the altar. You saw that last week with Pastor Cruz. Then, out of nowhere, out of thin air, an angel is standing before him, Luke 1 11. And there appeared, appeared. That word appeared means just appeared. He just was there. One moment, nothing. Next moment, there's an angel. Poof, like that. And as a result of that, it tells us, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. Seeing that angel just come out of nowhere was a terrifying experience. The shepherds were also startled by the circumstances of the angel's appearance to them. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Like with Zechariah, the angel appeared out of thin air, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Same word. All of a sudden, in the Dark of night, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're in a rural region. They're watching over sheep, and all of a sudden, poof, there's an angel. Well, certainly startling, and again, fear. But in addition to the shepherds, they were engulfed by a great light, and the angel Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were filled with great fear. They were terrified at the angel's presence in this engulfing 
by this light, and the result was they were greatly afraid. But the angel had not come to Mary in a frightening manner. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 28, we have a different word. Luke chapter 1, verse 28 says, and he came to her. He came to her. He entered her presence in the way in which anyone would normally come into the presence of another person. He didn't just appear out of thin air. He was sent. He came. He entered. He spoke. The angel had not just mysteriously appeared, nor had the angel's coming been associated with a great light that engulfed her. There, there were no mystical signs or manifestations that were associated with this angel's coming. There was nothing peculiar in the circumstances that were taking place. Mary was not frightened by the angel. Our text tells us this. Notice that the text says, but, verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the saying. At the saying. What unnerved Mary was what the angel said to her. Mary was very confused by what the angel had said. Verse 29, greatly troubled. And that word doesn't mean fear, but it means to be confused. To be confused. To be upset. To, to try to ascertain what this means. In fact, Mary tried to figure out what is meant by this greeting that she was highly favored or graced of God. For notice in verse 29 it says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Why would God say to her, you are graced? What are the implications of that? What's going on here? <coughs> Why would this greeting come to me? One aspect was that Mary had no reason to fear what the angel was about to say. Verse 30, the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. But notice the reason why she's not to be afraid. Why? End of verse 30, for you have found favor with God. Again, this word favor is the word grace. You don't have anything to fear because you have received the grace of God. As Azure sang this morning, there is no need to run. There is no need to fear when one has received the grace of God. This Christmas message is a message of God's grace. And as a result, no need to fear. Thirdly, Mary's being a recipient of God's grace means that the privileged relationship that Mary had to God was unmerited. The relationship that Mary had to God was unmerited. God had simply bestowed his grace upon Mary. 
Verse 30, for you have found favor with God. The word favor, again, is simply the word grace. You have received the grace of God in the original. By very definition, the word grace means unmerited favor. I think just about everybody knows that definition for grace, unmerited favor. Favor that is not earned or merited, but grace which is bestowed as a gift. There is nothing in Mary's circumstances or position that would be the grounds of God's choosing Mary to be the mother of Jesus. Mary's position was a very lowly one. In the Magnificat, which occurs later in this same chapter, in verse 46, this is the praise that is on Mary's lips. Luke 1:46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. That phrase, to look upon the humble estate of his servant, means that God was aware of Mary's lowly position in life. God was going to use her despite her lowly position. God could have chosen a rich and powerful woman to give birth to his son, but he did not. He chose Mary of lowly circumstances. She had no money. She had no status. She had nothing to commend her in the world of the eyes of the world. Such people are not normally signaled out for honor. Rather, they are usually taken advantage of. The scriptures state in reference to Jesus that the authorities took advantage of Jesus because of his lowly position in life. In Acts chapter 8, verse 32, it states, like a shepherd, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. An interesting phrase. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. In his humble <coughs> in his humblest state, he didn't get justice. As far as the government was concerned, Jesus was a nobody. Things haven't changed much in the world. People of high estate, people of authority, people of power, oftentimes can escape justice. Oftentimes we say nobody is above the law, but we find out there are people that are above the law. There are people because of their wealth, people because of their power, people because of their position, are able to do that which is illegal and get away with it. And we could cite many examples, and you know them. Jesus had no such earthly powers or authorities. And so it was very easy for Pontius Pilate to deny him justice. Mary is seen as a person of low estate, and yet she is going to receive this grace of God. I think we readily understand that. I, I think that we've heard the Christmas story enough times that we're well familiar with Mary's position in life and know that she is chosen of God not because of her 
position in life. But also is included in this idea of her lowly estate is that Mary is also spiritually needy. Mary was not spiritually deserving of God's favor or grace. This is key to this passage, and it's very important to our understanding. And it's here that we really deviate pretty significantly from Roman Catholicism. God was gracious to Mary. God was not rewarding Mary for her faithfulness. God was not using Mary because of her spiritual and moral character. There is nothing in Mary's life that would morally deserve this privilege of being the mother of Jesus. She is a graced one. Mary stands in need of a Savior every bit as much as you and I do. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, this great, magnificent, the praise of God, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. In God, my Savior. She needed a Savior every bit as much as you and I do. She was every bit as lost as you are and I am. She had no standing that was greater than yours or mine. She was a sinner saved by grace. She was a Savior saved by her child. God was gracious to Mary. And when she speaks of God being her Savior, we need to understand that in the largest sense possible of God's deliverance of Mary. God had delivered her from so many things and in so many ways. But we certainly cannot rule out or exclude the fact that God was her Savior in that soteriological sense of having her sins removed. Fourthly, well, let me just sum that up. The greeting of the angel of Mary teaches us that Mary becomes the mother of Jesus, not as a reward for her faithfulness or godliness. Mary becomes the mother of Jesus because God's great grace to Mary. Fourth, Mary's being a dependent or a recipient of God's grace means that Mary is privileged to believe. Mary is privileged to believe. Mary's faith is remarkable. Mary's faith is incredible. Even more than that, Mary's faith is miraculous because Mary's faith is a gift from God. Mary's faith is a gift from God. Mary's belief in all that the angels said is first made to, known to us in her acceptance of what the angel had told her, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, 
For I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so saying, she obviously had faith. She obviously believed. She said, yes, let this be done according to what you have said. She believes that it all will transpire, that even though she is a virgin, she will have a child. This belief that she is going to have a son comes after some very understandable questioning. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Since she has never had a sexual relationship with an individual, how in the world is she going to have a, a child? It's a very reasonable question. And so the angel gives her an explanation. Verses 35 and following, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called bearing. So here is an example of a very, uh, a very unusual birth as well. Verse 37. And here's the capstone, for nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything, is the answer to Mary's question. How can this be? The answer is God can do it. God can do it. Then we have Mary's believing response. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Be it to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What I want to point out to you is Mary's belief and the declaration that Elizabeth makes in association with Mary's belief. In Luke chapter 1, Mary travels after the angels left her to see Elizabeth, for she has been told of this child that's going to be born to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is six months pregnant at this point, and again, she had been barren, no hopes of a child, and she's pregnant. Mary goes to visit her. Notice the words of Elizabeth to Mary in verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Note that Mary is not blessed as a result of having believed. Let me say that again. Mary is not blessed as a result of having believed. That's not what it says. Rather, the emphasis is upon the fact of her belief. She is blessed in believing. In believing God blessed her. The blessing is not the result. The blessing is the foundation. Why does she believe? Because she is blessed. Because she is favored. Because she is graced. That's why Mary believes. In other words, believing is produced by God's grace. That's what this passage is all about. There's a, a parallel idea in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 and following. 
In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and following, it says, Now when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some say thou art Elijah, and some say uh, thou art uh, uh, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. When he says, that is when Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God, Jesus' response is, you're blessed. You're blessed, Peter, because flesh and blood, no human has revealed that to you. You didn't even know that because of me. The reason you know and believe that is because it has been given to you by my Father who is in heaven. Blessed are you who believe. What made a difference between all those others who said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some say thou art Elijah, some say thou art one of the prophets. What made the difference? Why did Peter not think those things? The answer, he was blessed. Blessed of the Father in heaven who revealed that truth to Peter. It is consistent in the word of God. And that's what we find in our passage, that Mary is blessed because the Father revealed to Mary this great message. And he caused her to believe. God's activity is the focal point of this narrative. God had sent an angel to speak to Mary, Luke 1.26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Why did an angel go to Mary? Answer, God sent him specifically to Mary. Notice verse 26. To a city of Galilee named Nazareth. But not just to a location. Verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Specifically to an individual, God sent this angel to Mary. The angel's first communication to Mary is, you are greatly graced of God. The angel told her that the Lord was with her. Not that it would be possible for the Lord to be with her, not that if she did something, that God then would respond to her in favor and be with her. No, the Lord is, present tense, with you now, this moment. The Lord is with you. The angel told Mary that she would have a child. Verse 31, you will conceive in your womb. Not that she might conceive if Mary did and said the right things. There were no conditions set forth 
that she must meet, no citations of things that she had done in order to reward her for her faithfulness in the past, a simple declaration that she is going to conceive and bear a son. Mary wonders how this is going to be possible, verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel replies, it will be accomplished by the power of God. God will do it, not Mary, verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is of God, Mary. The answer is not, when the question is asked, how can this be? The answer is not, Mary, this will come to pass because of your great faith. Or if you really believe deep down inside, if you trust enough, if you hope enough, if you believe enough, you will bear a child. That's not the angel's message. There is nothing like that in this passage. You will bear a son by the power of God. And the angel reminds Mary that God can do anything, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Again, note what the text does not say. It doesn't say, Mary, if you believe, there's nothing impossible for you. <laughs> if you just have enough faith, anything can happen. It's like the little engine that, that could. You remember that story? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Mary, if you've got enough positive thinking, if you can just block out in your mind that you're a virgin, if you can just forget about that for a moment, and if you can conjure up enough faith and really believe that you can have a child, guess what? You can. That's not this story. That's not this message. There's nothing impossible with God. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Keep in perspective who God is when you read this story. Who is the one who is performing this? He who spoke the world into existence. He who said, let there be light, and there was light. He who formed man from the dust of the earth. Is it any wonder that a virgin can conceive when you can think of humanity and when you think of this world coming from absolutely nothing? There was nothing, no particles, no existence, no matter, no nothing when God spoke this world into existence. It's known in the Latin as creation ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. John 1.1, 1, 1, the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into existence through God. And so, Mary believes and submits to what the angel said. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Her doubts were met. Her questions were answered. She believed. 
The application is blessed, graced, is everyone who believes in God. It's not that we are blessed as a result of believing, but we are blessed in the fact that we believe. We are blessed because God brings us to faith. The Lord is with us. God works in our lives, even as God had worked in the life of Mary. Even as an angel was sent to Mary, you probably didn't have an angel sent to you, but I can say to you, it is by God's grace that you even heard the gospel. You know, there are many people on the face of this earth who live in a region, who live in a territory, who live in a a world that knows nothing of Jesus. They've never even heard of Jesus. This great message has to be proclaimed. It has to be taken. There are places where Jesus' name is not even mentioned. It is God's grace to you that you've been born in a place where God's name is mentioned, where the Christmas story is told, that God brought you into a place. God gave you someone to tell you of your need of a Savior, that that message reached your ears is a grace of God of which you had nothing to do. But it was God at work in you. The Lord is with you. But even more than the grace of God in hearing the message, by the grace of God we have come to believe these astonishing things. We have come to believe what otherwise would be unbelievable. We have come to believe, along with Mary, that it's possible for a virgin to have a child. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe this morning that a virgin can have a child? Is it because you and I are so ignorant of biological consequences that We just don't grasp the idea of a virgin having a child. Is is that why we we believe it? Just because we say, well, that's, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. In fact, it's a big deal enough that I submit to you that, you know, there are probably times we have doubts. There are probably times in which we read the Bible and we put it down and we say, man, all these miracles, can this really be? And then as we contemplate, and then as we reflect, and and then as we realize who God is, because of God's grace, we reaffirm our belief in the miraculous. God has given us the ability to believe. God has opened our eyes to who he is. We who were dead in our trespasses and sins, we who had no understanding, no light, he is our light, he is our understanding, he reveals these things to us, we are graced of God. 
God is to be credited with our faith and not ourselves. And certainly God is to be credited with Mary's faith. And remember that we have been given the gift of God's Son, the gift of a Savior. The gift of a Savior. But not only have we been given the gift of a Savior, but we've been given the gift of grace. I like to have a, a thought for you to go away with. Just something pithy, something simple to remember. A few weeks ago, it was God's got this. Remember that? God's got this. This morning, the message is God's gift, the batteries are included. That's important with a gift. You, 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 you buy a, a gift that needs batteries, please include the gift's batteries. When the child opens it on Christmas, they can play with it. God not only gave us the gift of his son, he gave us the gift of his grace to believe in that son. He gave us all that we need in our salvation. There is nothing for us to supply. The batteries are included. Fifth, Mary's being a recipient of God's grace means that Mary is privileged to be the mother of God's son. Luke 1, 41 through 43. And when Elizabeth heard the Reading of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She claimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What an incredible privilege that was given to Mary. There were going to be hardships and difficulties. We're going to look at some of those next week as we look at God's grace to Joseph. There are hardships and difficulties, but we all can understand, I hope, that it was a marvelous blessing of God that she would have this privilege of being the mother of Jesus. Reflect upon it. But as you reflect upon that privilege of being the mother of Jesus, take away this application. Don't lose sight of the blessings that you and I enjoy as being a child of God. It is every bit as true that Mary is the mother of Jesus as it is that you and I are the adopted children of God, which is a great blessing and grace. Listen to Ephesians 1, 1 to 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heaven places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. What a blessing! That God predetermined, predestined us to be his sons. Join heirs with Christ, Romans says. Our call to worship this morning, John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Children of God. That's our uniquely privileged position. That God is our Father. 
He is our protector. He is our sufficiency. He is our savior. But he's our father, which speaks of this intimate, personal relationship that we are adopted children enjoying all the benefits, all the benefits of a biological child. And putting it in little different terms, Romans says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ, which means by being a child of God, we have the very same standing with God as his own son. Can you get your mind around that one? Do you have all the privileges, all the blessings, the glory in heaven? You are going to be treated like the Father treats Jesus. What a blessing. What a blessing. What grace of God. In conclusion, the Christian story is a Christmas story is a story of God's grace. God sending his son into a world that did not ask for him, to a virgin who had not prayed to be the mother of God's son, who was not worthy to be the mother of God's son, who had no standing on her own merits, to provide for a people a savior who, apart from God's grace, would not have received or worshiped and who are not deserving of salvation. First, let us praise God for God's grace in Mary's life. This is not to demean Mary. It's to exalt our Lord and Savior. May understanding God's grace to Mary help us better understand God's grace to us. We're favored. We're graced. The message of salvation should come to us. And not only the message, but the faith to believe it has come to us. May we have an ever greater thankfulness for our own salvation, for God having saved us. And let us have not pride, but sorrow over those who, when asked who Jesus is, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Let us be thankful that God has revealed to us the truth that he's the Son of God. But let us not despair. And let us not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the scripture says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That message, which seems so unbelievable, and we have a tendency to shirk from because we're almost embarrassed by it, to tell people of their need of salvation and the answer to a right relationship with God and eternal life is to place one's faith in the, 
the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us remember that their faith will not be a result of their intellect. And their faith will not be a result of our ability to explain these things or our persuasiveness or even our winsomeness. But when people come to faith, it's a result of the power of God to give life to the spiritually dead. For God not only gives the message of salvation, but the batteries are included. Be faithful in proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and people will respond because he has a chosen people. Paul said, for the sake of the elect, I endure these things in the book of Timothy. Let us pray for those who we know who have not yet placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray that God would save them. Let us implore God for his power to be displayed in the lives of the lost. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you, Lord, for the sending of your Son and also the imparting of your Spirit. Lord, we are thankful that there is nothing that's impossible for you. Thank you for this great gift of salvation, one that is undeserved. And yet, we have received, by your grace, a grace to believe, a grace to be privileged, to be actually be viewed as children of God, treated even as Jesus is. Oh Lord, help us to be bold in our proclamation of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in your power to save individuals. Lord, may we not be reticent, but may we speak clearly directly about the claims of Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose again, and he is coming again. Lord, I, I pray for anyone here this morning who has never trusted in Jesus. Maybe they've heard the story over and over and over again. Lord, may this day, may you open their hearts, may you open their minds, may you break down the walls of resistance, may the questions which are so reasonable to ask be met with the power of God, for with God nothing is impossible. Bring glory to yourself this day in the salvation of your people. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.